Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is July 13th, 2015. Welcome into episode 130. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, basking in the glow of Scott Magnus. Your bird friend. My bird friend, Scott Magnus. Now, if you're listening to our voices right now, you're most likely doing so on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's also possible that you found us at the Baltimore Sports Report Network, of which we are proud members. Make sure you check it out, baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. There you can find BSR's daily podcast, uh, Baltimore Sports Today. You can also find Scott and I on uh, BSR Post Game Live uh, after games on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, you can also catch the show on various third-party platforms, including Stitcher, uh, Miro, Double Twist, and iTunes. And if you do find us on any of those platforms, please make sure you review and rate this show. You can also catch us on social media. You can find us on Google+. We're on Facebook, but the best way where we're most active to find us is at Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Scott, it's the time for the most important part of the show. What is your drink of the week? Jake, I'm drinking a two-hearted ale from Bell's Brewery. Jake, you may remember that I drank that uh, in a previous episode, and yet I'm still drinking it. Jake, I've got a confession to make. I haven't been drinking a lot of beer lately. Okay. A lot of hard liquor. I think I might be in a rut. Are you saying that I'm driving you to drink hard liquor? No, I'm just saying that I think I'm in a rut. So I'm asking Birdland to come to my assistance, make some recommendations for me. Maybe I'll take one of your recommendations in toll and drink it in next week's episode. And this is important because not only do you need to get out of this rut, but I need there to be good beer in this house for when I invariably forget forget to bring something. Like the stuff that you're drinking right now. Well, let me tell you uh, a little bit about what's going on right here. I am drinking a Michelob Ultra. Why? I will tell you exactly why I'm drinking Michelob Ultra. First and foremost, I used to have a job in which I drove the train, or I drove the train. I rode the train from D.C. to Baltimore and back again. Uh, and the guys that I sat with and befriended on the train drank this and bought it for me all the time. I expect that from D.C. people. However, mm-hmm. the most important reason that I am drinking uh, the the Ultra light beer is because I just drank all of the rum and ate all of the food on the island of St. Lucia. So you decided to come back and hydrate yourself with some water. Just need to cut back a little bit on the calories. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. Well, for those out there, Bird's Eye View is looking for some recommendations. If you've got a beer selection that uh, you think is particularly good, tweet us at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. 
to prevent us from continuing to drink Michelob Ultra and continuing to drink the same beer that I've had in the fridge for the past two and a half weeks. Scott's in a rut. I have terrible taste. But remember, you can also find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. And I'm at MAGN8606. Jake, we've been out of the country. Well, you've been out of the country. I've been on vacation. Uh, I think it's time we go ahead and do a little housekeeping. Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, the evening TV. So we got to tip our cap to the Spastics for filling in for us last week. Uh, hopefully they had enough fun where they can return from hiatus next year when Season 5 of Arrested Development hits because they certainly are not talking about the Orioles whatsoever. It was just a bunch of Arrested Development puns and making fun of me and Jake. But it was greatly appreciated. It, I think it may be my favorite episode of Bird's Eye View that I've heard. That's what my wife said, so I'm sure your wife listened to it. Uh. Um, the other big part of housekeeping that we want to talk about also was... We'd like to announce that the Berlin Bash is going to be coming back this year, second time in a row. We're doing it on August 2nd, which is a Sunday. Uh, we're going to do it from 9.30 to 12 o'clock on Sunday morning. Um, and then preceding that game, or postseding that game, will be the one thirty-five game uh, for the Oriole game. We recommend everyone come out and attend. We're not going to do group tickets like we did last year. Just go ahead and buy your tickets to the Orioles and uh, give them their, your money. And most importantly, come out and play some softball with us. No charge this year. Bird's Eye View is covering the cost of the field. Just RSVP to us either on Twitter or send us an email at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Now, some folks listening may not be familiar with last uh, last year's uh, thrilling Birdland Bath. So we, should, we should probably provide some details. Um, it's gonna Poorly be- played talent, uh, softball game, um, and we're probably the worst players on the entire team. When Section 336 intern can play better than you, that just tells you how poorly the bird's eye view boys play. So any skill level, we accept you to come out and make us look terrible. That's right. Adults of any, of any skill level, we, we encourage you to come out and play with us. We would love to meet you. We would love to, uh, have you laugh at our, our quote unquote play. Correct. It's a great time. Yeah. So information is available. If you click on the banner ad at the top of the site at bird's eye view, Baltimore.com. The last bit of housekeeping that we have is to make sure that you check out the bevies. The bevies are back. The bevies, of course, are our mid-season award show where we hand out some hardware for the first half of the Orioles season. This will be our third bevy award. Can you believe it? Uh, I can based on the length of the previous bevies. <laughs> no, the first bevy felt like it was three awards uh, shows. It was two and a half hours long, so yes. This one, we were much shorter last year, and we uh, we promise it'll be So a, an uh, hour and a half, folks. Clear <laughs> calendars. <laughs> it'll be a very consumable podcast. We've gotten a lot of help from it. We're really looking forward to Coming it. Coming out on Thursday, so Thursday. You know, Friday afternoon when little work is being done, just tell your boss you're going to go on a long lunch and uh, go ahead and just sit down and listen to us. You know what? Just throw in the headphones make it look like you're doing something productive that's all we need or you know what on a on a run in the car any way you can join us we'd appreciate it look at look out for it thursday the bevy awards all right with that let's pop back over into the twat this week's on the twitter <laughs> it's been a little bit of, of, a, of a break unless you count chen tweets uh scott i have a question for you yes is what i'm about to say to you a slight or is it not? Okay. Here's a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles, who tweet, of course, at Orioles. At simply AJ10 will start in left field for the hashtag ASG. Okay. 
Adam Jones playing left field rather than his natural uh, center field position. Three outfielders, they don't really go by position. Is it a slight that Adam Jones is, uh, as the veteran, uh, moving over to left field to make room for Mike Trout in center? No. Okay. I asked this only because it's been the reverse previously. It has, but maybe there was just a gentleman's agreement of saying, hey, you got voted into the All-Star game. I didn't. You know, I'm replacing somebody. You take center field and take the spotlight. Not to mention, even though Jones got a gold glove, Trout is definitely the better center fielder in terms of defensive metrics. Uh, I agree with you. I also think, though, that there's something to be said that, I mean, has Jones ever played left field at the major league level? I don't think he's ever played left field at the major league level. And Trout, of course, has played left field at the major league level. So I guess you could come back. But it's the All-Star game. It doesn't really matter. Right. All right, that uh, that'll do it, I, I guess. Um, we really didn't play that up as really humorous. You know who else doesn't have a sense of humor? It's got to be Buck, and this comes from Mark Fabiano at Mark WJZ. Buck has always insisted that he does not have a sense of humor. This picture would be proof that he indeed does. You can check out that picture at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Who, who doesn't think that Buck Showalter has a sense of humor? Buck Showalter has a very dry sense You're and sarcastic humor. You're not paying attention yep. if you don't think he's got one. All right, next, we're going to go to a tweet from John Shepard, who tweets, of course, at JSBearR, J-S-B-E-A-R-R. Look, I don't know why we're doing this, but here's what the tweet says. Players with over 350 plate appearances in 2015 with no home runs. Nick Markakis, no one else. Hashtag Braves. Hashtag Orioles. Why, why? Why are we picking this wound? Why are we doing this? Um, because we like to re- remember the past, I guess. Um, next tweet is, oh my, I'm actually just reading this tweet for the first time, and there's lots to unpack here. This comes from Rockabaco. He tweets, Kevin Gossman allowed one earned un- run-, run and three hits in five innings for AAA Norfolk, walked four and struck out three. Uh, Matt Albers got the win for Charlotte. Wait, what? Matt Albers got the win for Charlotte. Matt Albers is still alive? Uh, apparently that grocery store gig didn't work out for him. <laughs> uh, next tweet comes to Orioles Facebook invades Twitter. Uh, Dan Clark, you can follow at, at Orioles DC, posted this question to his Twitter account. In 140 characters or less, if you were Buck Showalter, what three things would you change with the current hashtag Orioles team? And let me just say... It's ugly if you go and look at those responses. So if you're ready to go and check out some ugly responses, go give Dan Clark a follow and just look at some of the answers that he got when he asked these silly, silly questions. I'm so relieved that I was out of the country for that. All right, next, we're going to go to a uh, tweet from a man whose name I'm going to botch. It's uh, Dave Jagler. That's so rude of you. (laughs) Who tweets at Dave Jagler. This is a uh, radio announcer for the Nationals yes. who tweeted out the following. The Nats are 9-16 and 16 at Oriole Park where they rudely scream O oh at the anthem. The team split two here last year. Well, now they're 11-16. and 16. Here's, here's, uh, here's something I would just like to say. Um, Dave, wherever you are, you, sir, are an asshole. Oh, now I'm going to have to go back and edit that one. You're very welcome. <laughs> All right, and uh, finally, this is ghost into the category of, oh, behave. Jake, you want to take this one? I do. It's from Orioles Uncensored, who, of course, tweets at O's Uncensored. Babbit, be a lady tonight. Boom, boom, boom. Never get out of my sight. Oh, yeah. Babbit, if you've ever been a lady to begin with, mm-hmm. Babbit, be a lady tonight. Oh, yeah. Very clever. Yeah. Gentlemen, 
Very well done. Tip of the hat. Yeah, it's very nicely done. I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, with that, we've done singing on this podcast already, so I'm sure the spastics are already being asked to come back. <laughs> um, Jake, what the heck happened while we were gone? Let's go through and try to break down and dissect of what could possibly have occurred. All right, Jake, I've got a bone to pick with you. What? You left the country. I did. How could you do that? For those that don't know, Jake last left the country back in 2005, which resulted in a disastrous tailspin by the Orioles. <laughs> the Orioles were literally in first place until the day I got married. Yes. And then we went... Uh, For your honeymoon. To our honeymoon, and yeah. they got swept by the Yankees. It was terrible. It was all downhill from there, basically. Uh, so... Let's just hope that Jake got back in time to avoid six more years of losing. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because... Uh, yeah, had... six more years of losing is very funny. <laughs> no, I'm, these are tears I'm crying. Uh, I got very little uh, connection with the outside world. The internet was incredibly spotty, which was great because instead I drank rum. But uh, so I would check the score of the game once uh, in the lobby of the hotel and then uh, I was able to watch exactly two innings of Orioles baseball while I was away. It was during the Twin Series. Whatever ESPN game of the week was on was uh, in a rain delay. So I think it was the Cardinals and the Cubs. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. That's the, Yeah, that sounds right. It was a rain delay. Yeah. And the only other game that was going on was the Orioles and the Twins in extras or, or at the le- end of the game. Yeah. And I got to watch two scoreless innings from Tommy Hunter. And then they, they went on to other programming. And uh, then a, a, few, a few minutes later, I found out that the Orioles lost in walk-off fashion. Walmart. But but the innings I saw were super clean. That's good for you. Here's the, here's the kicker, though. Yeah. So we come back, and we fly through Charlotte to get home, right? Yeah. And so we touched down in Charlotte, uh, and we, we had a, uh, an hour and a half or two hours or three hours. We had a, a ton of time to kill uh, for our layover. And so we went to a restaurant, and I realized the Orioles game was starting, and I was like, wait a minute. I'm in Masson territory. We're in Masson territory. Yeah. So I go to the bartender. You know, they're playing the Pan American games on the TV. Like, clearly there's nothing else going yeah. on. And they were dancing at the time. I was like, come on, nobody's watching. This. It's Charlotte. Right. So I walked up to, to the bartender. And I said, look, you know, I know this is odd, but can you p- turn on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network? There's an Orioles Nationals game going on. Did his eyebrows worry and say, I'm not sure if we get that channel. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. He had no idea what it was. I said, I promise you get Masson. Uh, can you just look for it? I'd really appreciate it. And so he, you know, walks away. He's like, sure, whatever. Comes back. He's like, hey, we get Masson. It's like, yeah, yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah, you do. So I got to watch uh, a little bit of the uh, the Friday uh, game of the uh, Orioles versus the Nationals. And then we had to get on a plane right as the ninth inning was starting. Oh, yeah. So uh, imagine that. I found out when we when we touched down. So, yeah, what the heck happened? We vanished for one week. Our podcast is taken over by the Spastics, and we're left going into the All-Star break at 500. This is what happens when we're all happy and positive coming off June. I mean, that was some hippy-dippy stuff that we were talking about on the one episode, one episode 128. So let's go through the not-so-lovely totals for July. 
The record is three and eight. Uh, backdated to our last episode when we were here, and we are three and ten since us being going off this podcast. Um, the biggest issue I think has to be the Orioles hitting 200, 215 batting average, twenty sixth in Major League Baseball, two eighty two WOBA, twenty first in Major League Baseball. But there's a few interesting caveats I like to point out. Are you playing poly positive? I'm paying poly positive. So the big thing that you'll come across with people on Twitter and Facebook saying is the Orioles plate discipline is killing them at the plate, but their strike route percentage hasn't changed whatsoever compared to the rest of the season. 22.4% in July, 22.3% for the entire season. So if the plate discipline has changed dramatically, then you would think that the strikeouts would be going up exponentially as well. Yeah. And the, the weird thing is, is that it's one of those things where it's up and it's down. You know, think about how miserable the Orioles hitting was in May. Everybody got cold at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And then June, we thought we'd never lose another game. Yep. Well, here we are again, and everybody seems to be cold. I I say seems to be because I haven't seen any of it with my own eyes. Sure. Well, the other one topic I want to talk about again is my favorite, you know, category, which is Babbitt. The Babbitt is uncharacteristically low, 241 in July to a 300 on the season, uh, you, you got to think that's going to rebound. I know the line drives are down over the course of July, but this is a line drive hitting team. The Orioles are just not hitting very well right now, and I think they're just in a slump. It's just simple as that, and players go through slump. Jake, I want to focus on one statistic that we had uh, in the past weeks, which was RE24, which, again, is looking at run expectancy um, in terms of how well a hitter capitalizes on their opportunities. And, again, Everyone has talked about runners in scoring position, runners in scoring position, runners in scoring position, but it doesn't look at that and say, all right, well, did this person hit a double to get two runs mm-hmm. in, or did they get a sacrifice fly in order to get a run in? There's no indication of that when you know outs remain. So I think RE24 is a better indication of how well a team is doing in situations like that as opposed to how are they doing with an average versus runners in scoring position. So, Jake, let me give you a few numbers. Um, you? Yeah, I imagine that. So the Orioles have actually done fairly well in this category over the past two seasons. Uh, they were fourth last year in Major League Baseball with 64.83 RE24, and they were 12th in Major League Baseball during the 2013 season at 24.35. Statistic that surprised me to us in regard, in 2012, they had a negative 30.23 RE24, which was 23rd best in Major League Baseball. I'm going to use a dirty word here. Sure. Can you and I both agree to a certain extent that the 2012 Orioles were lucky? Uh, I think that we, as a, a fan base, we have a hard time agreeing to that because it was the first time they were good for a long time. But you go back and look at those extra inning games, and you just think to yourself, oh my gosh, we certainly got lucky. Now, the bullpen was amazing, and that's a big portion of it. But to a certain regard, there's no way a team can rack up that many one-run games and say, oh, that that's just good karma. It, it was a good team, but it wasn't a great team. Right. And, and so it does not surprise me to see that they were not quite as good at in the run expectancy right. category. So in 2015, Jake, in terms of RE24, the Orioles have a 43.43 rating, which is third best in Major League Baseball. And that's even with July's numbers in there. Jake, let me tell you what July's numbers are. They're bad. Do you, do you have to? <laughs> like, really bad, Jake. The Orioles have been abysmal as a team, giving a rating of negative 15.54. 28th in MLB. Jake, just to put that in category, if the Orioles had a net neutral RE24 this season, they'd be second best in Major League Baseball in terms of run expectancy, right behind the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, 
it's been a roller coaster. May was equally bad, as bad, negative 14.52, 25th best in Major League Baseball. It's just that it's been up, down, up, down for this whole roller coaster situation. Well, I, can I ask a question out of ignorance? Sure. I've been drinking rum for a week, so I haven't watched a whole lot of baseball. Right. If you're saying that the hitting hasn't been as terrible as it looks, right? It's got to be the pitching, then, right? Well, not exactly. I thought that was going to be the case too, um, but in reality, May uh, when the Orioles were doing meh, not so great, but good pitching, terrible hitting, three point three eight ERA, fifth in Major League Baseball. Jake, right now in July, they have a three point four zero ERA, very similar. Now they rate sixteenth in Major League Baseball right now because there's been some absolutely great pitching performances in July early on. You know, look, I'm not saying it's been great all the time, but the starters are averaging over six innings pitch per start. So, you know, the league leader over an entire season is generally around six and a third innings pitch. So it's not like they've been terrible. They've also pitched to a 3.38 ERA in July. So the starters are actually doing pretty darn well from an ERA standpoint as well for this for this month. I'm shocked to hear you utter the phrase ERA, but I'm going to let it slide, Scott. Actually, it's funny you should mention that. I looked at their FIP as well, and I'm it was sh- actually almost identical to their ERA. Yeah. That is very interesting. Yeah. So there, that whole aspect where people are like last year saying, oh, our ERA and fit deviation happens because of our defense. Um, I already said that in this offseason before. That's not really the case in entirety. It was really the LOB percentage. Um, yeah, that's come to be pretty neutral for a lot of pitchers, including Miguel Gonzalez as well. So, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are we trying to say here that things might not be as bad as we think? I'm saying the Orioles are in a, a hitting slump and that your BAPF is low. So the luck is going to turn around eventually. I uh, it just, it's, it's bad time. It's great time for the All-Star break is the easiest way to say it. It's a great time for the Orioles to sit down, regroup, come back out and refire the engines again and expect the after- afterburners to keep back on. I'm not sure which I am more disappointed about. I don't know if I'm more disappointed about the fact that you sound so much like Jim Hunter right now or if that I'm buying it. I- I'm not sure which I'm I'm more upset about. Well, I haven't been drinking, so this might be the issue. <laughs> All right. I have another question for you. Sure. Uh, again, been out on, on the sand. I'm burned like crazy. I have a question about who's been getting the playing time. Who are we seeing and who aren't we seeing? Sure. Uh, one of the things that the Nolan Reimold army will tell you is that uh, Reimold's playing time has been sporadic at best. Uh, and I think it's it's interesting to see who gets that playing time. Well, when you have a baby, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> back in, in 2013, well, it's not limited to this week. But uh, back in 2013, the Orioles crushed their starters, right? They sparingly used their bench, and I think that that was a factor in their late season fade. They 2012 just, was a similar situation, too, where it seemed like they got into the playoffs, and then the whole offense kind of got quiet, yep. and they got really exhausted. They got away with it until the ALDS. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, you, you've got opinions coming out of opinions on Reimold, so let me hear it. Look, I mean, Nolan Reimold is Nolan Reimold. He's going to be a 32-year-old outfielder this season. And while he hits left-handed pitching pretty decently, it's not like there's a plethora of left-handed pitching in the American League East anymore. Um, you know, David Price was moved out, um, and Drew Smiley is injured right now. I'm not saying that it doesn't have a place, but coming down the stretch run, especially in September, it's going to be nice to have him on the 40-man roster. But if the Orioles were to lose him, he's not. Yeah, he's not a great player. Let's just admit it. Now, there are other not great players on here right now, um, especially as corner outfielders with Chris Parmalee and Travis Snyder, 
Steve Pierce could probably even be thrown in that conversation. But in reality, Nolan Rymel does not strike me as a do-or-die player like a lot of Rymel apologists. I think a lot of people think of Nolan Rymel as that 27, 28-year-old outfielder that has high hopes. In reality, he's a 31-year-old with multiple injuries, injured seasons and a very limited sample set. I hear you loud and clear. I will say that I think that Reimold is a great option as a fourth outfielder. You know that the haterade for me is strong with David Lowe. Yeah. I think that uh, Reimold is certainly a better option there. But to get a bulk of playing time, uh, that's a tough that's a tough sell for me. Let me ask you this. Look at the candidates that you've got. Who is your starting outfield for the remainder of the season, for the second half of the season? Who do you want to see out there in the outfield? Whew. Um uh, I really want to see Travis Snyder continue to go out there a lot more often. I really do like Travis Snyder, even though I posted an article saying it's time to punch back your life, <laughs> lunch bag. But looking at it under more statistical eyes, I do think Travis Snyder is a pretty darn good platoon player um, and also gives us some de- 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 uh, decent defense. I think Steve Pierce deserves to be out there too. I think he's had a pretty much uh, a pretty decent uh, June and July as well. Uh, so those are two players that I'd like to see out there more. I think it really comes down to a question of, you know, you've got Parmalee, you've got Reimold, and you've got Lowe. That gives you three players that you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with. I do like Parmalee in the lineup. I know he's been struggling lately, but I do like the way he swings at the ball. Um, I think it comes down to Reimold and Lowe. Okay, I'm going to branch off here a second because you, you talked about Parmalee, and I, I want to go back to that. Think for a second about how we felt about Jimmy Paredes. Yeah. Right? Paredes was gangbusters sure. when he came up, and then he struggled. Sure. But strangely enough, and I didn't expect to see it, he seems to have made an adjustment. And he his, seems to have gotten better, but probably not as good as he was when he first started sure, in the season. But yeah. he, he has made an adjustment to the point where he is a viable option to be in the lineup. Correct. Yes. I really think that with Chris Parmley with the faith that the organization has shown in him to bring him in, to bring him up to the majors rather than letting him opt out with what we saw in his first week or so of the ball club. I really think that the Orioles in their, in their uh, talent evaluation of those, you know, quadruple a guys has earned a pass for me to say, okay, if you want to leave him in the lineup, let him play through this because there may be a bounce back coming. Right. Am I crazy? I'm, I don't think you're crazy whatsoever. I think, like I said, you look at all the platoon outfielders, and they've all had a really rough two weeks here in July. I'm not ready to cast aside Parmalee or anybody at this point because everyone's been struggling. You know, you look at Parmalee's numbers over the season so far, and it's again only over you know 80 or so plate appearances, but he's still got 123 weighted runs created plus, 20 percent better than normal. I'd rather stick see him stick it out for a little bit longer. He's not being a negative contribution for your team over this time point. I hold on to him as long as possible. I think, again, if you think that Rymo can actually play center field, then I would say David Lowe gets designated for assignment. If you don't think Nolan Rymo could be a consistent center field outfielder, then David Lowe has to stay on this team. It's as simple as that. Yep. The question or, or is. Or if Dear Alvarez is available and able to play center field. The speculation in, well, not speculation, but scouts have said that the Orioles don't feel like the Oriole Alvarez could transition to being a center fielder. That being said, if Adam Jones is out for a significant period of time, is it really going to matter? And you just hit the, the nail on the head. I think in a season in which uh, Adam Jones wasn't having problems with his shoulder, right? you may have seen the end of the David Lowe experiment. Yeah, uh, but even if he has problems going into August and September, 
the Orioles realistically need to play about 600 baseball down the stretch. If Adam Jones goes out for even a week or he goes on the DL, uh, not where you say the season's over, but it takes a major dent. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think that, uh, Adam Jones is probably the most important player that, that the Orioles could lose. Maybe even Machado at this point, but I will say that while he was out and he wasn't on the DL, but he was out. Yeah. The Orioles won without him. They did, but they played some really weak competition. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Here's hoping that the schedule is light enough to deal with it. Yeah. All right. Um, so we can play outfielder roulette and everything like that, but honestly, it's anybody could happen, but Honestly, the roster's going to have to get crunched soon. Gossman's coming back after the All-Star break. He's going to be in the, be in the rotation for that fifth spot. So come next Tuesday, we're going to have to have an, uh, an answer here of who goes, who stays. I'm not going to even guess anymore because Dan Duquette's just going to prove us wrong and make us look stupid. Just out of spite, mainly. Look, Yeah, I mean, look, it, summary is, the Orioles are playing some pretty bad baseball right now in some key situations, but in my humble opinion, it's not going to continue Orioles fans need to step off the ledge. Let's get back to some baseball after the All-Star break, and let's see some good situational hitting. Gray skies are going to clear up, says Scott Magnus. Yep. All right, with that, let's go through the more lovely totals, and uh, let's do some fantasy, boss. When it comes to twisting, I just got to keep insisting. Oh, baby, you should do swing. Out and across But in the middle of the night when the moon is shining your boss. Yep, I'm the boss again. So uh before we left we said an RE twenty four category and with the spastics taking over for us, they didn't do a fantasy boss. So the yours have been abysmal in this category, um, like we talked about. Um some have been better than others. So Manny Machado, three point four two, first on the team. Jimmy Parade is negative 4.93, last on the team. Um, I believe I picked Manny Machado, so I think I'm going to win that one. You think so? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Really? So, again, I'm up 6-5-1. to one. It's a short week this week. We only have games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I figured let's keep it simple, Jake. We're going to go with who has the most hits as a player in the lineup. And the tiebreaker is going to be extra base hits. I like it. I like it. So you got to go with number of hits, and you got to go with a regular. Somebody who's going to be Correct. in the lineup every day. I see. I feel like uh, whoever picks Manny Machado is going to get it. Um, yeah. Let's see. I'm going to go with uh, heck. I'll go with Jonathan Scope. Okay, I'm going Adam Jones. Okay, that's a good pick. I think Adam Jones is going to rebound pretty strict significantly. Adam Jones over the past 14 days has a 196 BABIP. Uh, Adam Jones uh, hit two balls really, really hard on Sunday yes. and was the entire offense for the Orioles. Correct. I expect a big bounce back from him in the second half as well. Yeah, I think that Adam Jones is going to rebound pretty strongly against Detroit and going into the next series after that. But uh, all right, so we're going with that. I went with Adam Jones and you went with Jonathan Scope. Let's see who will own it. And with that, it's time we go through our good, the bad, and the ugly.
That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. In the last week, we have to ask ourselves, who, who made us proud to be Orioles fans? Who made us ashamed to be Orioles fans? And, and well, who was worse than that? As usual, I'm going to go first, mostly because the rants of Scott Magnus uh, exceed the quality of my own rants. So I'm going to go ahead uh, for my good, and I'm going to start with Jonathan Scope. Now, Jonathan Scope may not seem like an impressive pick for this week. Obviously, he had the walk-off home run. It was a big deal. But I'm not even going to talk about uh, Jonathan Scope's offense. Here's I was hoping you wouldn't since you didn't see any of the games. <laughs> Here's actually what I have seen from the highlights of Jonathan Scope of the past uh, week. Jonathan Scope looks great defensively. And I'm no doctor, but I was very pessimistic about his injury. You did state an all-inclusive last week. <laughs> I was very dis- I bet you I bet you sat right next to a doctor on the beach. Uh no, no. Uh I was very concerned about Jonathan Scope's knee, his lateral movement, his ability to play the field when he came back, and I have seen absolutely great mobility and not at least there's no rust in that arm of Jonathan Scope. So he is back. He may not be able to play every day just yet, but I think that, that is coming and I'm not really worried about soft offense from scope if that happens because he's in that zone where he's getting back into it it's almost like the the spring training thing again and plus he's replacing ryan flaherty but for me this week jonathan scope was great defensively the arm that he's got at second base is an asset seeing him turn double plays uh is is a very welcome uh sight so he's my good for this week all right Easy choice, Manny Machado, four home runs in the past 14 days, 144 weighted runs created plus, playing like an MVP candidate. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Why? Four home runs in the last couple days? 14 days. Four? Yeah. I think you're missing 12. Oh. Ha 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 ha. In real games. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the bad. Uh, for me, and again, this pains me, for me, the bad this week is J.J. Hardy. It seemed like J.J. Hardy was starting to come out a little bit with his hitting. Uh, not so much this week. Three hits and 18 at-bats. If he's going to be in the lineup every day, he's got to show us something. J.J. Hardy's not getting it done this season. There were some stats uh, thrown out this week on Twitter. I think it was today on Twitter yeah. about his weighted runs creative plus for this season being in the area of, correct me if I'm wrong, 58? 56, I believe it is, actually. Which is terrible especially when worse than caesar Torres, right when you compare it to guys like caesar Torres. this was from matt kremitzer at camden depot by the way ryan flaherty has had better season i mean it's just it's not a good deal yeah this week you're bad uh my bad for the week is going to go to matt weeders who's struggling at the plate offensively yes but my big issue with him is i've noticed several games now that he's been behind the plate and he's been really sloppy in terms of pitch framing again and it really makes me cringe while watching it because i look at that and i'm like that should have been a strike kayla would have made that a strike you're getting sloppy in your approach where he kind of dips the glove down when he catches the ball and swoops it away and doesn't give a good presentation to the umpire i'm not saying it's a deal breaker but if you go and take a look at some of the pitch framing databases matt weeders continues to rank as a very negative pitch framer where caleb joseph ranks as a top 10 percent pitch framer in major league baseball don't like to say you know that's a death blow for him, um, but it's a big issue for me uh, for Matt Weeders continuing this season. Matt Weeders has to get his head in the game and has to approach that in a better fashion. You know who agrees with you? Scott Boris. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. For the ugly, this week, I'm going to go with Kevin Gosman. Okay. For the ugly. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he was demoted to AAA. Uh, it has everything to do with the fact that his pitching on July 7th was not good. 3.2 innings pitched. He gave up seven earned runs. That's not going to get it done. That's Bud Norrisian. That's what that is. Look, the Orioles need somebody to step up. And frankly, I think it needs to be Gosman. He needs to demand that spot. And yes, you can say, oh, it's just one bad start, but it's very poorly timed, both for the team and for Kevin Gosman himself. Okay. Um, my bad for the week, or my ugly for the week, is going to have to go to Migueletto Gonzalez. In the past 14 days, he's pitched three games, 15.1 innings pitched. Jake, his peripherals are 4.7 Ks per nine. 3.52 walks per nine, 2.93 home runs per nine innings, a 7.63 ERA, and hey, look at that, a 7.64 FIP. Woof. Eek. Almost makes you want Bud Norris in the, in the rotation. Almost. Almost. Let's yeah, not let's get not carried away. But Miguel's going to have to rebound pretty strongly in the second half of the season. Um, it, it's as simple as that. Uh, but... Like we talked about earlier, the Orioles starters have actually, as a whole, done very well, dominated by Abado Jimenez and Wei Yan Chen. Um, so keep up the good work, Orioles starters, in my opinion. All right, blowing the save. I did a terrible job of you know having a rant. So why don't you go ahead and rant during blowing the save? All right, look, I don't want to sound like a bad American here, but can we not do this land is your land in the seventh inning stretch at Orioles games? I don't feel like the ballpark displays of patriotism always hit the right notes. You know, there was the article that came out that said that, uh, you know, the uh, military pays for all those spots. And uh, it it really leaves a, a foul taste in your mouth when you see things like that. The Orioles do a great job, I think, of... Nice. Thank you, Scotty. The Orioles do a good job of recognizing uh, service members during the games. We already do God Bless America in the seventh inning on Sundays. I I don't think that we need to inject any more mass patriotism into the game. I I think that the Orioles have a solid tradition of, thank God I'm a country boy, in the seventh inning stretch in a time when uh, when Major League Baseball is trying to condense games and limit the amount of activity that we have going on between innings. Look, again... I don't want this to come off wrong, but Orioles, don't mess with a good thing. You've got the formula pretty much right on this one. This land is your land has no place, I think, at Oriole games during the seventh inning stretch. Totally agree with you. Um, I'd like to say, if we're going to do it, God bless America is your only choice, really. So it's it's very simple. Um, All right. Let's go ahead and close this show out. Pretty short one this week, but again, bevies this week. We've got a bonus episode coming up. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big deal, I think. So, Jake, anything else that you want to talk about? I got nothing else going on. And from here on out, I will say Baltimore and beyond, adieu, adieu. I still can't believe you left the country. I'm really worried about whether I can do it again. Yeah, I don't think you can. Give me your passport now. Oh, day in the All-Star game. That was good. Didn't even mention that. What? Oh, day in the All-Star game. Oh, yes. Yes, O'Day. Yeah. 
Oh, day, 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 day. He'll have a chance to uh, sit right next to Jose Bautista. No, he won't. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. Shucks. Yeah. It's over. Go home. Go.